He is a CrossFitter at heart, 10 year yeah. affiliate owner, owns multiple affiliates, and he has a 240 Fran. Like he kind of gets that. <laughs> like, yeah. He's that, right? Then from there, Stanford MBA and um, grown a business from um, um, a company that had just gone through a recession and lost, um, it was at a tenth of its previous value up to be sold to Oracle yep. for 1.2 billion and managed 400 employees and then becoming a VP at Oracle, one of the biggest companies in the world. Like, like so he's got the business side of it. And then he's a cool dude. You listen to him talk. You're like, I could hang out with that dude. Mm-hmm. He passes the car ride test. Mm-hmm. Like I would love to go in a four hour car ride with that guy. You know, I'll sit shotgun, you drive me around and we'll go to the mountains and go skiing. Yeah. You know, we'll, you know, sick to Richter, buddy, bro. Let's go shred the non, the sicky pow pow. You know, he's a, he's like a, he's a skier. He's a skier. I don't skier, know what bro. you just said right there, but we are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run. Always chasing. Never stop. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence, remote edition breaking news edition. I don't know if that's true. Um, by the time this gets out, uh, it won't be breaking yeah. news so much anymore. Yeah. The way that the, the world has been going, breaking news has to be like within the, within a three hour span. Yes. So um, yeah. all right. News edition. Yeah. News. Yeah. Um, okay. So you and I actually haven't talked too much in the last, um, really in the last couple of weeks, uh, you've, you've right. been busy, um, here on the podcast, we've been repurposing some AMAs that you've been doing partially because they're, as we just alluded to, like they're as timely as we can possibly get. Cause you tend right. to film them on Fridays and then we release them on Mondays. Um, but also because you've been busy, um, behind the scenes of, uh, of a lot of things happening within, within the world of CrossFit, uh, CrossFit HQ. Um, and that is what I'm hoping to pick your brain about today. Um, we are recording this on Thursday. Yesterday, CrossFit announced um, a new owner and a new CEO. And so that's kind of where... Um, I think that's where we'll end the conversation. I think we'll do our best to kind of get ourselves cool. up to how we got there as best as you can tell. Um, and so I wanted to start from the beginning as um, the beginning being perhaps the tweet that Greg Glassman sent out uh, two weeks ago now. It's happened really fast. Is it two, has it been more than two weeks? Um, it feels like it's two years. Yes. Um, but I think it's about two weeks ago. Okay. Maybe, yeah, two okay. or three so we'll, Saturday night. Yeah. Ago. So we'll go with that. We're going to go with let's let's begin because I know one of the, in one of the AMAs that you did you you did mention that you've been talking to Greg, um, mm-hmm. and so I'd love to go uh, as close to the tweet as we can. Thoughts? Where where do we go? How 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 did we get from where we are from that thing? Yeah. So um, the the world we are in a um, a very unique time. Um, right. So it actually starts, it has to start before the tweet, which is, um, COVID, mm-hmm. um, COVID happens. So, um, affiliates are in stress. They have to close down 90 high 90% in the U S of affiliate owners close their doors for months. They're struggling. Crossfitters are having trouble identify, um, keep maintaining their identity because they're not going to the gym. Um, in the midst of this, um, um, challenging times, the Black Lives Matter movement starts. Um, George Floyd, um, his um, murder um, goes national, and there's a movement, um, a really powerful movement, 
uh, arises and brings a lot of things to light that needed to come to light for a long time. Social injustice, white privilege, racism, inequality in the United States. Um, there's a lot of things that um, have been sitting in the background un, um, unjustly that have been thrust into the forefront of uh, America's eyes. In the midst of that, potentially in the the peak of that, you know, days after um, Trump kind of clears out protesters to take a picture with the Bible, I think it was like two days after that, yep. Greg Glassman posts a tweet that says Floyd 19. Um, the next morning, I wake up to a, uh, a text message from Matt O'Keefe, who is the the um, president of Loud and Live. He runs Wadapalooza. He's the agent to most of the um, athletes in our space. Um, and he he posts he, he we're just with a screenshot of it. And my response to him back was, "Oh no." Mm. <laughs> um, um, just could like I could see the writing on the wall of where this was going to go. Obviously, um, so that morning, spent the phone on on the phone talking to a lot of different affiliate owners. Um, Julie Fouché, who is a former games athlete member of the CrossFit um, health um, medical side of it, um, level one seminar staff for a very long time, was one of the first people that reached out, um, talked to a lot of the um, partners in the business um, from um, Noble and um, others, and then was able to talk to the former CMO, the former CEO, and I talked to um, Greg as well. Hmm. Um, so I can I can kind of take the next steps from oh um, in the midst of that when the, after that came out then it started to snowball pretty quick um, and then um, after that the next day it came out just to get everyone full speed because I think it's, I have to kind of paint the picture here yeah. of what this is it came out that he was on a Zoom call with uh, about a, a couple dozen or so affiliate owners where he said. Um, I do not mourn the death of George Floyd. My staff does not mourn the death of George Floyd. Along with that also came out a, um, a email response to one of the affiliate owners and the longtime affiliate owners of Rocket CrossFit named Alyssa, mm -hmm. who is a member of the LG um, BT community. And he, um, it was, uh, it was not very tactful. Um, and the CrossFit community um, is kind of incensed and uh, there's an uproar um, along with the public. So there's, um, it's on Forbes, it's on CNN. So um, the, the next few days, 1,300 plus affiliates um, vowed to disaffiliate. Um, and that kind of brings us up to, up to speed in terms of what got us in this position. Yep. Yep. Um, where... How, how, uh, I guess my first question is what was the purpose of the phone call to Greg or assuming that you called him and he didn't call you? Was it to understand? Was it to say what, mm -hmm. what the hell, Greg? Was it to say you mm -hmm. need to apologize? Like what, what was the, from your perspective, what, what were you hoping to accomplish? I sent him a tweet th in the, that morning a text um, message saying, uh, <laughs> yes, I oh, sent him, I don't know what, that, I don't that know what I've never been on Twitter in my life. <laughs> So yeah, clearly it wasn't a tweet. I sent him a text message, thank you, um, saying I'm confused. Yeah. Um, and to his credit, he called me back, um, I think within um, a half hour. Yep. Um, and we had a 35-minute conversation. And he explained um, the email to Alyssa 
saying that um, what was publicized had been um, wasn't the full. Mm -hmm. And um, he also thought that her email to him was um, threatening. Mm. And then he explained the Floyd 19 tweet as well from his perspective. And I'll just relay what he told me, which is there is an organization called the International Health Metrics Evaluation Organization. Um, I might have butchered that a little bit, but it's the IHME. Mm-hmm. They are the organization that has been prognosticating the effects of the coronavirus worldwide. And in his words, kind of like has thrust the world into um, a lockdown. Yep. He believes that their prognostications and their calculations um, are incorrect. Um, Greg is a very smart guy, very much an activist, and he's not going to sit by and let that happen. So he's been going back and forth with them for a very long time. Um, he doesn't believe that, um, this is my interpretation. My interpretation is that Greg doesn't, um, think that the coronavirus is as, um, detrimental as, um, most of the world seems and most of the policymakers seem to think it is. Yep. And that this organization is to blame. Got it. This organization then posted a tweet that um, said, racism is a health issue. His response to that was Floyd 19, essentially saying, you have already caused a, um, a global um, lockdown, pandemic. Yep. Now you're inserting yourself into this race discussion. Well done, IHME. Basically, um, yep. that was his his take on that. Yep. Um, he was. Um, it was a. Um, you know, I've I've been I've been a very long time CrossFit um, advocate. I love the methodology. I love the affiliate model. I love the community. I love what it all stands for. And I've had a, 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 a good relationship with Greg over the years of mutual respect. Yep. And that's what that conversation was. It was of basically mutual respect, um, where I was trying to hear it from his point of view. Um, and that's kind of what that first conversation was about. Mm -hmm. Did you, um, I mean, I don't think we need to go down the rabbit hole of, where he's right, where he's wrong, where where cancel culture culture introduces itself, and all that, because I think that that is um, beyond the purview. I think of what we're hoping to talk about here today. But I wonder, did his explanation make you feel better about, or or differently, or better than that initial gut response when Matt had sent you that tweet? Did did the nuance of it at least make it? understandable or was it yeah. the case where you hung up and you thought none of that is so, good enough? No, the reason when Matt um, sent me the screenshot of the tweet, the reason I said, oh no, is because my, um, my belief is that Greg Glassman is not a racist. Yeah. Um, he has done nothing that, through my relationships with him um, or his hiring practices or anything else um, who he surrounds himself with and the way he talks and acts that would um, give me any indication that he is racist in any sense. Yep. Um, I believe that there is, um, um, he might not be the most sensitive yep. um, person, and this is my interpretation. Um, and other words that have been used to describe him as of late is um, tone deaf. Yep. Kind of like 
not not recognizing where the world is in terms of sensitivity. Yeah. And that's been his thing all along. It's like, I'm going to do my thing. Yep. Um, and his, the conversation I had with him basically, um, helped solidify those two things. I yeah. still don't think Greg is a racist. Yep. I really, um, I really don't. I have no reason to think he is. Yep. Um, I know some of the amazing things he has done, um, you know, from building, you know, he's built 22 schools in Africa. Um, he's, he's building gyms that people can go to for free in inner cities across America. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, he's, he's and he doesn't want anyone to know this stuff. So sorry, Greg, I'm busting your bubble, but you've done a lot of, um, good for, and he just doesn't want, he doesn't want it. Yeah. Um, people are complaining to the social media person about racism in, um, a CrossFit HQ. And what people don't know is they're, they're complaining to a black man. Hmm. There's the, there's a black man responding to those things saying you are a racist. Yep. Um, so, you know, I, his, um, he has never done anything for, and this is not a Greg Glassman defense podcast. Yep. It's also not a Greg Glassman bashing podcast. Um, he has done, um, a lot of, um, positive things. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think that there is, um, everyone is, um, has faults and his faults are, are being exposed. Um, and, um, his faults, um, might have more to do with insensitivity. And this is the racism issue yep. um, that we're talking about here. Insensitivities and, uh, tone deafness more so than, um, um, inequality yeah. practices. Yep. Um, despite that, after having talked to him, you still decided at CrossFit New England or CFNE that the, the right move for you is to, to disaffiliate. And we can get into what that means at this point. But at that yep. time, it was to disaffiliate. So clearly, or maybe not clearly, what about like those two things seem slightly opposed to me. The deeper yep. understanding of what was happening, mm -hmm. knowing Greg as deeply as you do. And yet still making the decision you did. Is there, is, is there a tension there that, um, is worth talking about? Yeah. I don't want to uh, make it look like, uh, as deeply as you said, as deeply as I do, I don't know him that well. True. No, um, no, I just, so yeah, I know no. him through, um, yeah. Um, 15 minute conversations, maybe once or twice a year Yeah, for 15 years um, or whatever over, over, over a, a 11 year period. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of the way that yep. stems out. Yep. I see him at the CrossFit games. I see him at affiliate gatherings or something else. Yep. Um, or when I was working on level one seminar staff. Um, the reason we disaffiliated, um, was what CrossFit, um, represented mm -hmm. and Greg, um, it doesn't matter to me what his personal beliefs are. The organization in the public's view now represented something that was not in line with my values, my principles or my moral compass. Mm -hmm. And that's what I could not align with. Even if I was going to be the biggest backer and, um, go through the fire with Greg, um, I, I would not do that because I didn't see him as the right guy to lead this community going forward mm -hmm. because of his insensitivities. And that was essentially enough to tip over. It was the, it was the, um, the, the straw. straw. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, that was it. And I couldn't, um, essentially kind of like continue to allow him to dictate what I represented. Yeah. And I have, um, the decision was, is incredibly, e I mean, it's simple for me, incredibly yeah. simple decision. Like, um, 
you know, it's kind of the same decision of like, should I pay my employees through the COVID crisis? Incredibly easy decision. Yeah. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say easy. Simple, Simple. decision. Yep. It, there was no debate back and forth. It's like, what is the alternative? Um, but obviously the actions are really hard. It was gut-wrenching. It was like tearing my heart out. Um, you know, this is a part of, this is like my identity. It's what I, um, who I, the community I've been a part of for the last 12 years. It's um, what all of my 400 members um, describe themselves as I am a CrossFitter. Um, it is, um, something that I love everything that CrossFit represents outside of that hard work, community, doing the right things, not taking shortcuts, um, humility, the willingness to, um, endure some short-term pain for long-term gain, um, connectedness, positivity, I, I love everything that CrossFit stands for. I love the methodology. I love, you know, eat meat, vegetables, nuts, seed, um, some fruit, little starch, no sugar, keeping intake levels that which support um, exercise but not body fat. I love training the major movements. I love the elegance of 2115 9 and AMRAPs and the big primary, the big compound movements of thrusters, clean jerks, pull ups, deadlifts, combining that with gymnastics and running in one workout to get this neuroendocrine response that, like, is just like I love the definition of fitness. I love the definition of CrossFit for being constantly varied functional movements performed at high intensity. I love the results. I love the way that the community has come together during this time. I love the way the community was in 2005 when I found this thing, when I used to drive two hours to train with people. I love the certification process. I think it's the most superior certification process in the world for fitness trainers by a magnitude of 10, and I have the next highest one, which is the CSCS, and it can't hold a candle it's not even close to being a level four trainer in the CrossFit world. Yeah. Everything that CrossFit has created is amazing. With kind of the exception of this, um, you know, even the games included in that. Yeah. I, I, I built my career around the CrossFit games, so I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to. I didn't want to make it look like I was purposely eliminating that one. Um, ev- I love everything about that, with the exception of um, kind of this this swing of perception of what CrossFit is now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's enough, but believe it or not, that is enough. That simple values thing is enough for me to say, um, thanks, but no thanks. I'd rather, um, I'd rather be on my own Island. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there was something very, um, you know, for, first of all, I think that we, we just lived through a two weeks of incredible complexity and nuance and context and and at the same time uh feeling as though most people didn't know the context didn't understand the nuance Mm -hmm. didn't want to understand the nuance and so i bring that up to say or to ask one of the things that i noticed when uh people of your caliber started standing up and saying um i I can't i can't stand with crossfit at, at this time in this way um what a lot of people I don't think understand, or at least can't understand maybe, is that, like you said before, it was a last straw more than it was uh, we all woke up one day and suddenly we believed something 180 degrees different than we did the day before. And I wonder if you can't speak to that, because I think it's something that in the culture that we're in, in the speed at which it moves, where everything's on Instagram or Twitter, 
Um, that kind of context and complexity can get lost. But the truth of the matter is, for people like you or Chris Beeler or Froning, this wasn't the first time, and I don't want to speak for any you or any of them, certainly, but I've been around as long as you have. This wasn't the first time we woke up to, to something that CrossFit HQ did or said or that Greg Glassman did or said that made it harder to stand up and say, I believe in CrossFit and that's part of who I am. And I guess the question is, is how much of the history of this kind of leadership led you to a place where you, you could make the decision that you did versus, again, at making a decision, what it looks like, which is that you made a decision on a tweet? Yeah. So um, it certainly was not based off the tweet because, believe it or not, the tweet I actually don't think was, I think it was misinterpreted as I kind of have, have alluded to. Um, it was insensitive and tone deaf, yep. um, but it was a knock at that organization, which he believes is off base and hurting the world. Um, um, but even in those, those, that week leading up to the tweet, there wasn't a single incident. Mm -hmm. There was also the Zoom call mm -hmm. where he's saying, my staff does not mourn the death of George Floyd. Like that, the, the tone deafness there and the lack of leadership and, and awareness of what's happening in the world, um, I, I, it's a hard time, it's, I have a hard time getting past. Yep, agreed. And then the, the, the insensitivity, regardless of um, your personal battles that you've had with this um, affiliate owner from Rocket CrossFit, um, you don't have, as a leader, this is, as a leader, you don't get to wage your own personal battles. Mm -hmm. You no longer, you are forfeiting your right to speak solely on your own behalf. You represent more than yourself and you have to realize your words carry weight. Hmm. I've called this before, you know, it's based essentially like it's the, um, it's a magnifying glass, it's the microphone, um, and there's, and, and fire. It's yep. like the superpowers of, of a leader. Yep. What you do is going to be seen by so many people. There are, there's a magnifying glass on you. You have to then control yourself and be way more calculated than you would be otherwise. A four-year-old can do whatever they want and act on impulse. A leader cannot. That is the price of leadership. They also have a megaphone. So what you say gets heard by 20, more, 20 times more people. Your words must be calculated and thought out. That is the price of leadership. You are forfeiting your own ability to vent mm -hmm. and pick fights and do what you want to do. You now represent more than that. And then there's another thing which is called fire. And fire is you have to realize the power you have through your words and your actions. And that fire, it's amazing as a leader because it can warm people. Yep. It can bring people to gather around a, a, a campfire to create community. It can inspire and guide the way, but it can also burn. It can burn other people and it can burn yourself. So the magnifying glass, the megaphone, and the fire, I think are not understood by some leaders. And because of that, they, they destroy things. So the, the race thing is we have to be really, it's, 
it's difficult to, um, to pinpoint, but the leadership thing to me is not. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is very, um, evident when it's there and when it's not. And over the years, what we've seen is Greg Glassman through his amazing methodology, through his, um, or orative, you know, he's such a great order, such a great presenter. You could listen to him forever. He galvanized in a, a community and essentially started a revolution, um, which I was the num like I was right on his heels. I want to follow him everywhere he went. Um, but I think what's been exposed over the last um, little bit is the leadership component, yeah. unfortunately. Um, I want to get to kind of the next step of this of these last few weeks, but I'm curious because we are talking about it. Um, you're a person who puts legacy right up there in the in the list of values that are most important to you. I'm curious what you think Greg's legacy will be, given all of the things you just said, given all of the mm. things that we've all, um, yeah. many of us built our lives around. Where does where do you think it stands? And it's probably too early to really know, but yep. um, your gut sense of did this the, these last two weeks genuinely tarnish uh, his legacy? Or not? Uh, or should they have? I'm just just kind of a, a sense from you on that. So I think there's a lot. We're still too early to, to know that. There's still a lot still that has to be. I think that's still going to um, come out of the woodwork. Um, so I think we kind of have to see how the um, yeah, that's true. How everything falls. I will. So let's. But so what we have to do is kind of work with what we have right now in front of us. Yeah. So assuming that this is Greg Glassman rides off into the sunset and trades some uh, new competitive or new new creative endeavor um, and CrossFit is, um, um, has a Renaissance and it, um, now has a, another explosion that I'd seen for the five year explosion, like it saw from 2010 to 2015. And we go to 25,000 affiliates and people are waving the flag and super proud. Um, I think, um, America loves to forgive and America loves a comeback story. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think his legacy, um, is going to be tarnished. Hmm. Um, you know, that's standing as of right now today. Yeah. Um, because as of right now today, there's the Floyd 19 tweet, which people don't seem to understand a lot. Of people think that it's an overreaction in the first place. Yep. Um, and there's been some allegations of other stuff, but yep. they're just that. So nothing else has been founded. So. Um, oh. As of right now, I think that his legacy is that he's a he goes down as the guy that um, revolutionized the fitness industry um, and was um, insensitive. Yeah. Okay. So moving on from um, those conversations to your decision to disaffiliate, um, somewhere in that mix, there, uh, Greg did resign, and mm-hmm. Dave Castro was named the CEO. Um, I imagine because you certainly didn't stand up and say that fixed it, that that was not a satisfactory uh, solution yeah. to you. Did you talk to Greg during that, during those few days where that was, that seemed to be what the solution was? Uh, or um, do you get the sense that they knew re- relatively immediately that that was not going to quell the the demand for um, actual change? 
um, so I did not talk to Greg. I talked to Greg the Sunday morning after the tweet and the, um, the Monday, the next morning when I called to tell, I think it was Monday where I called to tell him I was disaffiliating. Um, and his response was that he said he understood. Um, when, um, Greg named Castro as the CEO, Castro called me, um, to let me know. Um, I said, congratulations. Um, and he said, we, you know, some along the lines of like, we're going to fix this. Um, Greg has stepped down. We're going to, um, unite the community and move forward. Um, and then, uh, we agreed that there, I would, that there'd be some space before I could uh, make a decision. Yep. Um, later on that day, I asked if, um, him stepping down meant that he was stepping away from the company or if he was still the owner. Um, Castro responded that he was still the owner. And I said, I will not, um, be, Reaffiliating, um, if Greg is still the owner of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that's roughly when, uh, rightfully so, when things started to get a little bit quieter on social media. On you know, Morning yep. Chalk Up stopped having fourteen news, you know, breaking news, uh, you know, updates a day. Um, <clears throat> And when people, yeah, because, and I think the big reason for that is because a lot of people saw that the issue had been resolved. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I think because, um, we're kind of close to it, we knew that, yeah. um, Greg was still behind the scenes. Probably, um, this is, I don't know this for sure, but my assumption was that Greg was, you know, there's other CEOs of CrossFit in the past. Yes. Greg still pulled all the strength because he was the 100% owner. Yep. So, um, Castro being the new CEO, um, to, in my eyes and most of the eyes of most of the, um, the, the 10 year affiliate owners, um, didn't see really much of a change at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it really is opened my eyes a little bit because you've seen like people be fired from, for things like the me too movement. Yep. Um, and you're kind of like, okay, it's problem solved, but yet you don't, no one really digs in the next level. Mm-hmm. And you know, we would talk to, I would talk to, um, people that are on the fringe of the space and they'd be like, why are you still disaffiliating? Like the problem solved. And I think what Greg did was a very strategic move that bought him a little bit of time. Um, and it's, it's the thing that, um, Greg's a smart guy and he's, he's playing chess. Mm -hmm. You know, he knew that he would would buy him probably a week. Um, because people would assume that, you know, um, retirement means gone. Right. Right. Okay. So, um, when people would ask me when, when things started to get a little bit quieter and he, he did step down and David, when people would ask me kind of what I thought was going to happen or was happening, my general, my general response is that my guess was that there were a lot of conversations happening between people who have a lot of influence within the, in the community and they just weren't happening publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, turns out I was right, of course. Um, and so, of course you were right. Of course, I, well, I was only because we know what happened, um, <clears throat> not because I'm prescient in any way. But you were part of these conversations, and that's kind of what where I want to dive into next. What did those? And I don't know how long it was—a week, two weeks, maybe. What did those uh, couple weeks look like? As best as you can tell us, you want to tell us as best as you were able to see. Um, what were the conversations happening? Were they um, were they cohesive? Were there a thousand different conversations happening? Like just a general sense of maybe yeah. what was happening behind the scenes 
that might allow us to get a little bit of insight into the decisions that ultimately were made. Yeah, um, I don't think there were thousands of conversations being having um, taking place, but I do believe that there were hundreds. Yeah, because I was a part of fifty plus. Yeah. Um, so there's a few things that were happening. There's kind of the the three legs of the probably four legs of the CrossFit stool, but there's really three that are, are revenue generating. Yep. There's the CrossFit games, there's the CrossFit affiliates, and then there's the seminar staff. Yep. Each of those kind of came together, which is this community is, I mean, as cool as we all think it is, I'm, I'm here to tell everybody this community is amazing. You think about what happened from two weeks ago Floyd 19 to today, there's a new owner and CEO of the, of the organization because of us. I mean, that's like, it's a re this community is, um, I don't think that happens very often. Um, it's really cool. So each one of those kind of rallied, um, seminar staff got together. Um, they kind of, um, made their stance be known of what they wanted to have happen. The games athletes got together. They had conversations, which is really cool. I mean, Katrin lives with me. So I know that, um, I saw the calls that she was on. Yep. There was, um, dozens of three hour plus calls with their 60 games athlete with 50 plus athletes each time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, the attendance was incredible. Everyone voicing their opinion, opinion, um, passionate, debate. It was, um, really, um, encouraging and exciting to watch. Mm -hmm. Um, on my side, there was, um, affiliates were getting together as well. So I was in conversations with affiliate owners and what we were trying to do was to save CrossFit. We all love this thing. We do not want it to go away. And I use the word save. Like that's, um, we were trying to keep CrossFit the way it was. So what we were trying to do was position and a a way that we could get the affiliates to buy CrossFit. Mm. Um, we thought about a whole bunch of different ways, you know, either getting, um, you know, some, um, a financial sponsorship, either through private equity, um, family money, um, individual investors, or the affiliates themselves probably need some bridge capital because it would take a while to get there. Yep. But we were, we were exploring a bunch of different models and way to get the affiliates to buy back, um, CrossFit. Yep. Um, and they were, um, really positive, great conversations. Um, but I will say, I think that's, you know, fast forward a little bit and we can, we can, dig into this a little bit more if you want to, but the, the, where we are right now with Eric Rosa of CrossFit Sinitas, um, as the owner, um, I actually believe is best case scenario. Mm. I really believe that if, um, let's say I, let's say hypothetically I was to buy CrossFit. Yep. Um, I do not have the skill set to run CrossFit. Mm. I don't have the, um, capacity. I don't have the desire. Um, I don't want, I want to stay in my suburban home and kind of with the lifestyle I have, I do not want that. I don't want that in any level. So what I, if that was to happen, we would hire someone just like Eric, yeah. like literally we would, we would probably end up hiring Eric. So this is like best case scenario in my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've talked a lot about um, get it, want it, the capacity to do it, or ha- right? Yeah, um, similar to. And that. I don't at GWC that role in any form or fashion. Yeah. Did you though 
were you part of conversations in which you would uh, have bought CrossFit in some way, shape, or form, regardless of whether or not you would be moving out to Santa Cruz or, or not? Was that part of, at least on some level in your mind, a solution that you were yeah. driving towards? I, I did, yeah, I didn't want this to go to an outsider, mm. right? It's everyone's biggest fear. It's been instilled in us from you know very, very early on um, with the idea of uh, per, pursue excellence, not clients. Yep. Don't chase dollar signs. Um, you know, profit is, um, unknowable. Excellence is known to all. Like, so you don't try and chase profit. You try and chase excellence. Like Greg has instilled in us from day one. Then there was the potential hostile takeover of Anthos capital in 2012, when he um, separated from his wife, Lauren, and there was this venture capital company that was going to come in and potentially really change the entire model. So it's kind of been ingrained in us, like all of the the offspring of CrossFit to like fear this thing. And I fear it. Yeah. I, my biggest fear was that this was going to go to somebody that was going to try to monetize it, blow it up, do it. Um, not in the way that we all became a part of the same reason we wanted to be a part of this thing. So I was very invested in making sure that, um, and making sure, not making sure in doing everything I could to know that I, I, so that I could then be proud of my efforts. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like what we talk with the games athletes. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, I can't control the outcome, but I want to make sure I'm doing everything I can so that I feel like I did my best to try to hold on to what we love. Yep. And that involved, um, you know, talking to the games athletes to see if we could kind of figure out a way for them to buy it, talking to the affiliates, to see if there's a way that they could buy it. Um, I secured, uh, money to, so that, um, if neither one of those worked out that I could present offers. Um, so yeah. And, um, you know, I, I reached out to Greg a few times, mm-hmm. um, you know, asking if we could, um, chat about it. Yep. And, um, those calls went unanswered. Got it. Uh, I'm sure he was feeling, and I, feeling I, want to, I want to put out there again, like that, that's, that would not, that would, is not my first choice. Yeah. Like I, I would have done it to, um, bridge the gap to have someone else come in and run it, um, you know, we, we created a board, so it wouldn't have been me. Yep. Um, so I had, you know, I, I, we, we created all this, you know, you know, we would create a, a, a board of directors, you know, a company that size, probably like five to seven seats. Yep. It would have involved people from each of the branches of the, what you already named, seminar staff, represented from seminar staff, from the affiliates, from the games, and also from the health side, which is the fourth side. Yep. Um, it would have also um, been a little bit affiliate heavy. Um, from there, there would have been advisory boards all representing each of those domains. Um, each of the boards would have been uh, a diverse and inclusive selection, both gender um, and race, but also regionally around the world and age of affiliates. So there's representation across all of them. You know, but like I, I created all this stuff and I realized is uh, uh, Eric's going to do a better job. Mm. Like he's going to do a much better job. I really, for, um, I'm sure a lot's going to come out about Eric, but the little bit that I've, I've researched about him, um, is he's, um, a business stud. And yep. the way I call it business stud is a guy that like, um, gets kind of like a few different factors. The first one is how to create the, and the most important one is the culture aspect, right? Mm-hmm. He, he knows how to like create a place where people love coming to work and, his uh, data logics was one of the top 100 places in America to work. 
there's a um, a a platform. I think it's an app where you can kind of rate bosses. Essentially, mm. it's kind of like Yelp for bosses. Is it Glassdoor? He has a ninety. I don't know. I okay. can't. Them, I think um, that's workplace. I don't know if this bosses. He has a he has a ninety percent approval rating. Like I mean, he's just like, um, he's been there and he's done it. He's scaled companies up through the troubled times, um, made them massively successful without while also building the culture into something so much better than it was. Um, you know, he is he's got he's got the kind of the whole thing. He's got the 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 three pillars we'd be looking for. He is a CrossFitter at heart, 10 year affiliate owner, owns multiple affiliates, and he has a 240 Fran. Like, he kind of gets that. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's that, right? Then from there, Stanford MBA and um, grown a business from um, um, a company that had just gone through a recession and lost, um, it was at a tenth of its previous value, up to be sold to Oracle yep. for $1.2 billion and managed 400 employees and then becoming a VP at Oracle, one of the biggest companies in the world. Like, like so he's got the business side of it. And then he's, a cool dude. You listen to him talk. You're like, I could hang out with that dude. Mm -hmm. He passes the car ride test. Mm -hmm. Like I would love to go in a four hour car ride with that guy. You know, I'll sit shotgun, you drive me around and we'll go to the mountains and go skiing. Yeah. You know, we'll, you know, sick to Richter, buddy, bro. Let's go shred the non, the sicky pow pow. You know, he's a, he's like a, he's a skier. He's a <laughs> I don't skier, know what bro. you just said right there, but <laughs> it's skier lingo. If you've lived in Tahoe before, you <laughs> Uh, um, that, that does lead to the obvious question, which is when it was, an, well, one, did you know that this was happening before it was announced? Uh, or did you learn did like not. the rest of us on, the, the, on Instagram? I, nope. I learned it just like everybody else did. Um, and yeah. then follow up. It's only been a few days, but have you had a chance to talk to him? Is that, is, uh, um, is that in the, in the, in the works in the, do you imagine that's happening soon? Yep. So, um, I sent him an email just congratulating him. Yep. Um, and he re responded back, um, you know, very eager to talk. Um, and, um, I hope to talk to him today or tomorrow. Um, I would actually love to, um, spend time with him. So, yeah. um, I would love to fly out to Boulder and, um, hang out with him for a couple of days. Yeah. Um, I, I want to get to maybe, um, before we wrap up your sense of, um, what sh could or should come next, but I, I don't want to skip because you, yep. you, you mentioned it. Um, and I know it's, it's a topic that still is, has more question marks than it doesn't, but there have been, um, allegations of, a, a pretty toxic work culture at CrossFit HQ, um, during Greg's tenure there. Um, you mentioned that Eric is, um, if nothing else known for building a good culture, a strong culture. And I wonder, um, how, how do you, how do you think, I, I don't really even know what the question is other than I just, I want to make sure we don't <laughs> skip over that because it, it feels to me yeah. to be the, the most, honestly, to me, it feels like the most important thing that's come out of this. And it's also yes. the thing that hasn't been resolved yet. And I wonder yep. what your thoughts are on what we need to do, maybe going forward or looking back to, um, a to, 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 make up for to fix what seems to be a, a again allegations of a pretty shitty culture yeah i think this is um so to start with that um that's it's it's a big piece of this thing yeah it's a massive piece of this thing um we cannot um be a part of an organization that stands for anything less than what this community is. And this community is about 
hard work. It is about being humble. It is about being inclusive. Here's, let me back up a little bit. Here's when I think that a lot of people fell in love with CrossFit for the same reasons I did, Hmm. which is in the beginning, when you first found it, it was the thrusters and the pull-ups. It was the AMRAPs. It was the methodology. It was the nutrition. That's what we all, that was the hook, right? That's what got you in. Yep. But really, really quickly, the magic of it was that when you're finishing up your round of 15 of Fran and going into your round of nine, there's there's this purity to what we're doing. And when you're watching someone do that, there's just this amazingness that like everything else, all your other worries, whether it's socioeconomic, whether it's racial, whether it's um, relationships you have in your life, whether it's um, issues you've had with your boss, whether it's the um, your screaming kids at home, all of that melts away and you just want to cheer somebody on because you know that they're giving it their all. And the only thing that people are judged on inside of the box is not where you come from, how much money you make, or the color of your skin. The only thing that you are judged on is how hard are you willing to work. You're not even judged on your ability. People love watching the last place finisher give everything they have because they know that that's what garners the most respect. It is what the world is supposed to be, where you are judged on your character and nothing else. What I realized is there would be sick, like people would join the gym and it would be six months to a year before I even knew what they did for a living because mm. it doesn't even matter. That doesn't matter. What matters is, are you willing to put out and give it your all? What's your character? And that's what we should be judging people on all the time. And that's what I fell in love with. And that's what's kept me so motivated to be affiliate over over the last 12 years. It's the purity of this thing. Mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot of healing that needs to take place in the CrossFit space. We've been hurt. We've been... For a moment here, we don't know what we represent. Mm -hmm. And that hurts. And we want to get back to the pure aspect of this thing. I am cautiously, as much as I just um, praised Eric, I think he is the right guy. Um, But we are not reaffiliating just yet Mm. because um, the deal has not been inked. And a lot of things can happen. So I am very hopeful. I am cautiously, but extremely optimistic. And I believe with the right leadership in place, we are going to see a CrossFit renaissance, much like we saw in 2010 through 2015, where affiliates essentially tripled. Um, I think we could see something similar to that with the right um, focus. Mm -hmm of the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really excited to, for, again, cautiously, but extremely excited 
about what this next chapter holds for all of us. Yeah, I think that that's a good place to wrap up. But I think maybe next time we get together and talk, I'd love to get a sense of your vision of what could happen, how that renaissance could come about. Um, and I think that that's a, that's a longer conversation that I don't want to rush through this week. Um, so I think we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Um, thank you so much to everybody who's reached out. Thank you uh, so much to everybody who's listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, stay well. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.